Amen. The stories of scripture have been written for our admonition, our encouragement by them that we might have faith and hope in this life. Amen. I told you from the beginning we're going to hear stories and multiple stories of how God has been faithful to those who keep his promise. Today, you're going to hear that. You're going to be very glad you're here. I know you always are, but hey, today, I'm just saying. But before we do that, I want to show you a couple of pictures. So Caleb and Brianna had their baby. Yeah. So there's Kendall May. And they're doing very well. And uh, Caleb's home helping Brianna and taking care of Kendall and kids. So very good. If I could get the back screen up, that would be awesome. So this, um, this series has, has been designed for us to understand the promises of God and how to walk in them, how to live in them. Because you and I are meant to live and designed to live by promises. A promise gives me something to look forward to. A promise tells me there's better coming. A promise tells me there is an eternity that I can spend with Jesus, right? But promises also tell me that in this life, there are things that God wants to do, and I can look forward to them. I do not have to look forward in my life with dread and fear, with anxiety, with depression and hopelessness. I don't have to live that way. And if you try living that way, you actually end up living what the Bible says. Without a vision, the people perish. I've walked in that. I know that feeling. Even as a believer, to look forward in life and only see greater dread and fear and depression. But God intends for us to live looking forward with hope and with promises from his word that are sure and true. This is essential for us, that we believe those promises and we hold to them in spite of the opposition, in spite of the odds, and even in spite of the time. Because God's promises don't always unfold in the time frame in which we might establish them, right? We want to believe it here and see it before we get to our car, right? Sometimes that happens. I've seen those things happen. I've experienced those, and that's awesome. But there's been other promises that I'm still holding to, that I'm waiting and have been waiting for years, decades, to see fulfillment of. And it's in the waiting that sometimes the journey becomes even more difficult. Because in the waiting of the promise is where the enemy loves to hang out in that gap in there. The enemy loves to come in and whisper doubts. The enemy loves to come in and point out things to you and make you give up believing on the promise. And our own natural flesh doesn't like that either. Our flesh wants to say things like, I told you you're an idiot for believing this. This isn't going to turn out. You should have just listened to your own self. All of those things. So it's critical in that moment that we hold to the promise. So we'll call our message today, When You Have to Wait for Your Mountain. In the story, we know that Caleb and Joshua were the two of the 12 spies who went in and came back believing the promise. In spite of the enemy, in spite of the strongholds, in spite of the giants that dwelt in the land, Caleb and Joshua said, let's go because we believe God will keep his word to us and we will be victorious. But the other 10 came back with a different report. The other 10 came back with saying, "Eh, we saw the good things, but man, the giants, they're too big and the people, they're too numerous and the strongholds are too great. We are simply just grasshoppers in their sight and we will perish if we go forward. As a result, 
the entire nation believed the report of the 10 instead of the two. And here is what God says to them as a people as a result of their choice to believe a false report. Here's what it says in Numbers 13. God said to them, according to the number of the days in which you spied out the land, 40 days, in other words, because you went in and there were 40 days that you spied out this land looking at the promises and the problems. He says this next. For each day you shall bear your guilt one year, namely 40 years, and you shall know my rejection. Now, they did not stop being the people of God in that moment. God did not leave them, but they would not experience the fullness of God's blessings because they would not believe him. And God said, as a result, there's gonna be a price. And for the next 40 years, you will not enter the land, as we saw last week on our map on the board, they would go off into the wilderness. What's sad is, is it wasn't just all the ones who didn't believe. It was also Caleb and Joshua. They were part of the nation. And Caleb and Joshua, though they had believed, though they had said, let's go, God will keep his promises, he will be faithful, he will deliver us, even though they had done nothing wrong, they would now be forced to wait along with the rest of the nation for 40 years. The vote did not go their way. The tide went against them and they would have to wait while everyone else lived in their disobedience. They lived in their obedience. And this is where it gets tough for us as Christians because we believe promises, but we're not the only one in the boat. There's other people in the boat, right? And they're not always believing to the same degree that we might be. And therefore, consequences play out. Results play out. And we don't get to see the fulfillment of the promises as quickly as we thought. They don't play out in the same time frame. So you have to get to the place where you wait. And Caleb and Joshua would do that. We know from the end of the story that it would be the 40 years that Caleb would walk and age, but trust God in the midst of it. But that brings us to some really important questions for us. How do you wait while you're waiting for your mountain? How do you do that? How do you do that when it seems that people that are not believers, they seem to be prospering and doing their own thing? Yet here we are, waiting, struggling, and not seeing the results. What do you do when you see other people say, oh, I prayed and this happened immediately for me? And you're like, I prayed. How come it hasn't happened for me? Others say, oh, I prayed and I did these three things and wow, here's what God did. He blessed, it was amazing. And you're like, I did those same three things. How come it's not happening for me? What do you do in that meantime? How do you wait? The story you're gonna hear today is a powerful example of what it means to believe a promise when things are going sideways, fast and sharp and painful and you hold to the promise regardless. So 
I'm going to stop talking. And I want to invite to the stage this morning Wes and Dee Dee Rainey, who are going to tell us their story. Yeah. Y'all come on up. If you know their story already, you're going to be powerfully encouraged. If uh, you don't know their story at all, you're going to be powerfully encouraged today. And it is, um, it is a miracle. I'll scoot this closer to you. There you go. It is a miracle what is happening right here. It's a miracle that they're walking on this stage together. And as you'll hear the story today, you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. Only God can restore in this way and restore what the years of the locust have taken. And he, is this on? It is on. <laughs> you just wanted to check, huh? All right. Got the microphone. Good. So let's do this. We have a lot of story to cover today. So help us have some background. Tell us about how long you've been married, where you met, all that kind of stuff, where you live. Go ahead and do some of that for us. Set it up. Uh, we met in Austin, the seniors in high school. Mm. I was, I lived there my whole life. She moved down for that, or God moved them down for that one year. Yeah. And uh, we met seniors, we were married a year after we graduated, yeah. 1986. 1986. You can do a little math, pull out your phone if you need to to figure out all of that. It's been a while. 37, she said. Thank you. It's awesome. And you have children. Yep. Tell them. Tell everybody who your kids are. There. <laughs> we have four. Four children. Two are here. Good. Awesome. And their other better has are here too. Okay. So I'm going to jump into the story here. We're not going to start all the way back in 1986. We're going to fast forward to 2009 just to kind of get us, because we've got a lot of ground to cover today. So let's do this. Uh, life and every marriage has ups and downs to it. Amen? It does. There's, there's times you trust God and there's times you struggle sometimes. And sometimes you come back to the Lord and, and, and God moves and he uses his word in all of those times. So, Dee, 2009, where would you say your marriage is spiritually? And you, where are you? Spiritually, null and void. Okay. But, For you personally? Yes. Okay. We, didn't, we weren't going to church anymore. We'd home church, and then we started sleeping in and didn't do anything anymore. Okay. <clears throat> You're believers so, at that but point. our relationship is awesome at that moment. Okay. Yes. But so. not much spiritually happening oh, between no. you. Okay. So awesome in the sense of you're enjoying life together. Well, uh, I did not realize it until way later, but God showed me later on, he'd become my God. And so mm. for us, we just, we clicked and we were just on the same page Life was wonderful. because you know, the enemy can make you think, you know, yeah. everything's great without God. Okay. So about this time, you make a decision because some things are going on. Um, well, some things are about to happen. 2009, you make a decision to do what? Because it takes you down a path that you probably say, I wish I had To have a little bit of fun. The children were just being grown. They were becoming young adults. And like, you know what? Some friends of mine, you know, they drink, and I just thought, well, that might be kind of fun. You know, they taught me how to drink a pretty flavorful drink, and I was just like, oh, it's not so bad after all. Okay. <laughs> and then it begins. And that begins to take you down a path. Oh, yeah. 
because uh, the in, the amount of times you're involved with alcohol mm -hmm. increases even. Oh, yes. Toward what end? Like from where what? to where does once this go? Once a month, then maybe once every two weeks, then every weekend, then every weekend in a big city. Then we decided let's bring it on home because we were with a group of people. And so then it becomes every day. Then you're bringing it in your home because, you know, you're justifying this entire time that, you know, oh, well, if we just don't bring the alcohol home, oh, when we're going to tell each other when we think we're getting too much, you know, or if it's, or we're starting to really want it too much, mm. you know, and just escalates. So what is this doing to your relationship? Well, on my side, I very quickly, when it started going to every day, it was fun for just a little while. And then I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm tired. I don't want to do this anymore. This is exhausting because you have to keep up the emotional side of it until the first drink. And then, you know, everything is, oh, okay, it's not so bad. So, of course, you drink so that you don't have to deal with the emotional side of it, that you really want to not do it anymore, but you don't know how to tell that person you don't want to do it anymore or the other people that you're with. Yeah. And so you're just in hell. <laughs> Wes, from your side, what, what's happening in your marriage during this time? Um, well, when she decided she wanted to quit drinking, I didn't. Yeah, because Dee, you reach a point yes. in 2013. November you, 4th. She knows the date. <laughs> Dee Dee's very good with specifics here. Yeah. So there's a day that you say, I'm done. I'm done. And Wes, what does this do? Uh, well, I, like I said, I, I, just, I wasn't done. Mm -hmm. And she didn't harp on me or anything. You know, she politely let me know, you know, yeah. hey, we need to slow down. And I, I, I tried a little bit. Yeah. And then I just wanted, didn't want to give up drinking. And uh, that led to other, I brought up things from the past that hurt me and said, this is why I'm drinking. Mm -hmm. This is why I'm, remember this, this is why I'm drinking. And Wow. And this worse. is part of a, a family line thing for you. You come from a family. Yeah, my whole family was drinking. I grew up drinking at early age. There's pictures of me in a diaper at the beer at the lake drinking beer. Wow. Uh, so my brother's been through it, sister's been through it, mom and dad, everything. So some things are happening inside you during all this time. What what's going on that makes you want to keep drinking? I just run running from God mm. and not one of to fix things that had affected me from the past in our marriage. Just didn't want to deal with them. Yeah. And, uh, it became your escape. Oh, yeah. It and, and to, you know, alcohol, it became my God. Mm. It was my escape from reality is what it was. Wow. So I'm sure tension is increasing between the two of you. Still not much church going on oh. at this point. There's no praying together or reading scripture no, together. I'm hiding us. I don't want us to go anywhere. If we go anywhere, I have to drive because I'm not going to let him drive. And we're in seclusion and we're in our home and we're not going anywhere. Because you're believers at this point. Oh, yeah, totally. And so you don't want anyone to know what's happening. I want to protect, in my mind, I'm protecting his reputation. Mm. That's what my thought process was. That's what the enemy used for me mm. to seclude me, to make me isolate so 
we move forward a little bit further and things become worse to the point where Wes moves out. The tension has increased, the fighting has increased, and, and Wes, you leave. Yeah, I, in my state of mind, I decided that I needed to get out of Old Villa hmm. and get back to Austin, where I grew up, hmm. back to my roots. And uh, God allowed that to happen. He opened up a job, a good job down there. Mm. And uh, I ended up moving down there and just thinking, I never thought of divorce or anything, just thinking that, you know, it'll all work itself out and she'll come to see my way of things. And, yeah. You know. Yeah. So, Dee this is, that's got to have an additional guilt and hiding and frustration and sadness. All of that's happening, too. Financial problems are now mounting. Mm -hmm. And you begin proceedings for divorce. Yes. What was that like, knowing that that was the decision you were gonna to have to make? Well, it took almost a year to make that decision because in my mind too, I'm thinking, this is all gonna work out. He's gonna wake up and realize, no, I don't wanna lose all this and he's gonna come back. <laughs> and, but it took a long time and a lot of details, even, even going through the selling of the house and before we're even doing the divorce thing necessarily. And I'm numb. Mm. I really, I had maybe a month's worth of crying and then I got no more tears. Now I'm just walking dead. <laughs> mm. So it's just you here in Ovilla. Yes. And who, who do you turn to for support or help? There's gotta be somebody. <clears throat> My niece, Lisa. Okay, Lisa Winnie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it moved to the point where you move in with your parents for a while. Yeah, for about a month until he moved to Austin. Yeah. So this is a very dark time. We've gone from dark to darker at this point. And we thought it was dark. It was just really light gray at the moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> and you're still not going to church anywhere. No. Not being open necessarily. And not even thinking about it hmm. at all. The only thought that I had was, I grew up Baptist and it's all about the word of God. And so all I knew is, okay, the word is life. Now, this is the Holy Spirit has to be talking to me. You just can't get this without God. But I'm like, okay, the word is life, it's alive. It renews minds. I don't have it within me to even find the Bible, open the Bible, read it. That's too much effort. I have an hour commute to and from work every day. My friend gave me DVD or CDs mm -hmm. and I just listened to the word of God in the car. I don't know what it said. I didn't care, but it, I knew it didn't, I didn't have to. I knew it's the only book that's alive anywhere on earth mm -hmm. and I just needed to get it in. Yeah. And so that's what's going in every day without any other thought. Yeah. So you finally get to a place, and boy, we are, we're shortening a story here. We're, we're cutting some emotion out of it almost, but there's a lot of emotion going on, I'm sure, for you at the time. Oh, yeah. A lot of different emotions. And in the darkness, you, God finally speaks to you with a very clear promise. Mm -hmm. Talk about that moment and what that, what that is that you finally get from God about what's ahead for you? 
While we sell our home and I face my greatest fear of living alone. That's why I had so many children. The point was to have children, have grandchildren, never be alone. Well, God said, oh yeah, we're gonna face that fear. <laughs> Took it all away, moved to an apartment, found, uh, went to see Bethlehem Revisited, an encounter was in a church building across the street, and my mom said, you know, because my mom's always secretly hinting with all the love in her heart. And it's just like, oh look, encounter's right there. That's in the same town that you're in now, honey. <laughs> like, yes, mom. <laughs> so I decided to go that Saturday night. In the meantime, I'm just, I'm still raw. I am raw. I really don't know what to do. We're still, uh, and it's been a long time. Probably, it, this was even, no. I had to go back in timeline. So anyway, I go to encounter that first night and God knows, see, he loves you even though you have to go through things that he wants you to go through. So he carefully and lovingly does this. So I show up at encounter and my niece, her family comes that very night. We hadn't talked about it. She hasn't been in a very long time and we just happen to show up together at the same time. So I didn't have to go by myself. But he did a sermon on big dreams. And God told me he would bring Wesley home. Well, of course, you know, you're thinking, well, I just want it really bad and I'm just hearing my subconscious tell me that. And I don't know anything else. And I'm just like, so I write it all down. I'm just like, okay, he's going to do it. Well, of course, you think he's going to do it in a few months. You don't think it's going to be nine years. <laughs> yeah. So you, you get a promise from God that night. Mm -hmm. And it's very clear yes. that there'll be a day that Wes will come home and there'll be a restoration of mm -hmm. your marriage. Yes. But in the moment, there's not any circumstances that tell you that's close to happening. Nope. <laughs> in fact, what is about to play out would tell you this may not ever happen because things go from bad to worse and things go really sideways. So I'll, I'll, just, I'll just mention some of these. You feel free to, to jump in here. Wes, you get to a place where, well, let me just ask you, rather than me say it. You're in Austin. Mm. The divorce papers have come. Some time has passed, and things begin to go worse for you. What's happening? Uh, obviously, when divorce, I mean, I, I got mad. Yeah. And, uh, do you when, pray? When, when, do you go to a church? Do you pray? Do you... I was still going to church. You're still and, going to church? Um. But I wasn't, I knew God, but I didn't know God. Yeah. Didn't trust God. Yeah. So, and alcohol was really my God then. And, uh, and at that point, it went from drinking beer, you know, after work, drinking beer to go to bed to starting to drink whiskey. Because mm. beer just wouldn't do it anymore. Mm. And, uh, and God had a bunch of friends that I grew up with, and they were all alcoholics, and I got to help a few of them mm. in the rehab and everything, and uh, was telling myself, hey, look what I'm doing, you know? I'm helping my, I'm not that bad. Yeah. I'm helping my friends get in the hospital, get in the rehab, get in the sober houses, and you know, so I'm, I'm doing just fine. All the while, you're having to drink all day long just to make it through. 
Eventually, yeah, I got there. Got I would I would wake up and drink a glass of whiskey before <clears throat> I went to work. And somehow, by the grace of God, I kept my job. I kept all my state licenses. Prayers. Yeah. She told me later. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, this gets so bad for you, Wes, that you end up in the hospital on four different occasions. Yeah. One of the times is because of a blood clot. It's yes. in your leg. It moved to my lungs. He has a blood clot in his lung, but obviously he does not die. That's, that's usually a pretty excuse me, difficult sentence to find that out. Yeah. But because she's praying, you live through this. So it's getting darker and darker, and then you meet another woman, and you marry her in Austin. Do you see what I'm saying? The story is going from bad to worse. And during this time, <clears throat> one of your children, Megan, develops cancer. It's dark. It's very dark. Dee Dee, how in the world are you hanging on to what you heard God say when it looks like it just keeps going further off course? He's drinking more. He's He's ill. He's married another woman. I mean, that's the point I'm sure a lot of people thought and maybe even said to you, Didi, give it up. It's over. He's, he's gone. You don't need to wait. How do you keep your sanity and the promise? God taught me before all of this. <clears throat> And it wasn't just overnight. It was a progression to seek him because it said in his word. And I'm pretty, if he said it, it is. I don't really care what anybody else says. It just kind of doesn't matter. So he has, he's kept teaching me little by little by little by little by little because God knows what's coming. He doesn't want me to be devastated. So God already gave me scenarios through a website of, um, husbands that now I know what the prodigal word means. I can't use the word prodigal anymore. Mm -hmm. But husbands that go away and then, you know, they get restored and things like that. And I don't agree with everything they said, but God was using that and many other things to teach me, don't listen to anybody else. Don't look at the circumstances. None of that matters. Trust me. Trust me, trust me. And different things would happen. And it didn't have to necessarily be with restoring marriages um, that would be seeds in my heart. I'm like going, okay, well, if you can do that, and that's what he would tell me. If I can do this, I can do that. And if I can do this, I can do that. So God would prepare me before I would find out about another woman, before I'd find out about the marriage. Now, during that time, don't kid yourself. I would be crying and upset. Not 100% of the time. It would be a lot more time in between before I would feel sorry for myself and then start crying again. But it got less and less and less as time went on. God taught me he is my husband. While Wesley is away, God stepped in as my husband. I mean, and he did. He provided for me. He protected for me. He comforted me. He was everything, and that's what God was trying to teach me. All the things that I put Wesley up on a pedestal that I wanted from him that he does not have to give to me, even now, 
God wanted to be that, but he, he had to teach me that. So God had to strip me. I mean, I know you had your own journey, but so did I. Mm. To learn that, that God is my everything. And so it was a slow process and it was still emotional. And when I would doubt, because you know, you're, you're here in your head and you're thinking, okay, did he really say that? Was it just me that wanted it really bad? You know, and you know, you hear lots of people, even in your own family and in your spiritual family and It just really, you go through the doubts. You just do. And you're just like, okay, well, I'm weak. God said I'm weak. God said, you know, renew every day. And I'm like, okay, God, I'm weak. So I know that you've told me before, but I know that you know that I'm weak. So I'm just gonna ask you, just remind me again. Because it's no big deal. It's no big deal to be weak. He wants us to realize that we need him every second of the day. So being weak is... I mean, even Paul said, it's a good thing. Yeah. To me, this just, it's the modern day picture of this Caleb and Joshua against everyone else kind of belief. And when God said even about Caleb, there's a different spirit within him. That's what I see. That's what I saw in you. Because I, again, I might have, if you had come to me at any point and said, what do you think I should do? I've been a part of me that was like, you need to move on, D.D. I'm afraid, you know. <laughs> That's why I never went. Uh, he, he, he's remarried. I've already read know. plenty of pastors, might have said that kind of thing. So I was just like, you know what, God? I already know what you said, so I really don't care what even he has to say. Hey, Sorry. That's, that's faith, right? I mean, that's believing a promise against the odds. And I, you know, I, I, was, I did remarry, yep. but I, I never loved anybody but D.D., and that sounds bad. Yeah. I knew that. Um, so one of the ways, and again, all the women in the room are probably going to look at you like a creep at this moment. I know. That's okay. They're gonna, there's a redemption story in this. Stay, <laughs> stay with us. <laughs> You're even periodically sending Dee Dee texts and love songs. Yeah. Yes. And even text that said, I think I'm ready to come back. Yes, but I wasn't ready. Yeah. I, th- he, I thought I was ready. I knew that. You got those texts, mm-hmm. but he, you never followed through with them. As no. I understood earlier when we talked, it was, did you say they would come through and he would say, I'm, I'm going to come home. And she waited and he didn't come through with it. Why? What was happening in that moment? How come you would send it and then pull back? Send them, pull back. Uh, because I wasn't ready. And I would send them in times when I felt really low. And I needed, you know, needed that person that I loved. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't, I was miserable down there. I mean, I was making good money and, you know, everything. But I was really miserable. So that's why I, I would drink to get out of the misery. Wow. And, uh, which led to more misery. Led, led to more, more misery. Drinking. Led to more drinking. Yeah. Was there a part that you were maybe um, fearful of what the response would be? Oh yeah, that that was that was a, a big. I, I knew coming back that I would have to quit drinking, and I didn't want to quit drinking. Yeah. And I was also scared because I'd seen my what my friends had gone through in the hospital. Mm-hmm. They put you on all these drugs. Man, I've been in the room with them. They hallucinate, you know, pass out, do it. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I, I don't want to do that. And yeah. every man and doctor and my sister's a nurse was telling me, yeah, that's what you're going to have to do. 
you have to be in a hospital, you know, an environment, and they can, they're going to pump you with drugs to keep you, you know, slowly off. And I was like, I, I can't do that. Wow. And also, I was embarrassed and ashamed of what I, what I was doing. Yeah. And I didn't know how, because I knew a lot of people here or had known them. Yeah. And family and extended family. And uh, I was, you know, like, I can't go back because they'll never accept me. Yeah. So, so Dee, you get... She's so bold in this that she even starts asking God to bring Wes home in a very specific way. <laughs> Talk about that for just a moment. What are some of these things that you're praying and asking well, God? Well, you know, it says in the Word to be specific and to ask and keep on asking. Okay. <laughs> so I just decided to, you know, David, King David was known, said by God to be after his own heart. Well, he screwed up all the time and he said he was sorry. But there was just something about that that resonated with me. And it's like, you know what? I'm just gonna ask God for anything and everything that I want. I mean, why not? He owns everything and he's not gonna give me something that isn't good for me. And if it's not good for me, it's for a reason that's gonna be good for me. So I'm like, okay, well, I don't really want him to come home with anything from down there. Because I'm just being for real. I was just like, I know it's just stuff. And if he does bring it home, okay. But if I'm going to ask you, <laughs> please don't let him bring in the horses or any dogs or really anything. Anything from down there at all. And I don't want to have to go get him. Because it, before in a text, he had asked me to come get him and then I never knew where to go get him and we didn't talk anymore. So I was like, okay, well, I guess that's not the time. And I talked with God about that. I was like, God, I really don't want to have to go down there and get him. <laughs> I mean, I just, I want to stay in my peaceful bubble here with you because you've taught me to wait because I am not a waiter. I'm a doer. Fix it, fix it, fix it, which is why for the first, you know, 28 years, I could never fix it and then it all blew up because you can't do it by yourself. And I just like, I, I, I don't really want to, I don't think that I should go down there. Not that I shouldn't have to, because that's irrelevant. <clears throat> I just thought there's just something wrong. I'm not at peace about going to get him because that makes me think he's not ready. Mm. And I'm staying out of this until he's ready because I know about y'all, but I like to win and I want all the blessings. I don't want to be these people that had to be in 40 years in the desert. Yeah. I'm like, no, thank you. I'm just going to wait until God does it. Because yeah. let the dominoes fall. I'm not going to get in the way, and I'm not going to take a domino out thinking that I know how to make this pattern better than he does. Forget yeah. it. So you ask God, let him come home. Yeah. Let him come home with nothing but the shirt you on his back. You bring him home, and, and I, don't I don't want anything from down there. Not, I don't want to have to be the one to come get him. Mm -mm. And no dogs. <laughs> no dogs, no horses. I had, I had dogs, horses. I had a wolf. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I got excited earlier because the wolf ran away and I thought, oh, it's getting close to time. Well, that was a few years ago, so that didn't matter. She, she prayed for my wolf to run away, and it did. So again, just keep all this in mind. For him to come home, nothing but the shirt on his back, not have to go get him, and no dogs. All right? Just remember that, okay? So let's fast forward to this year. It's February. Wes, you reach a final moment of breaking. What is happening in your life that leads you to that point? What is that 
What is that like? I had moved, moved out the previous, you know, 2022. I left the woman I was married with, moved in with a friend of mine out in Lake Travis. Uh, I had known since uh, we were babies, mm -hmm. and we were just both alcoholics. I was still working. He wasn't. I was paying for everything and uh, got him into rehab and got him into, you know, sober house and everything. Thought it was good. And mm. His sister I'd known since we were kids, too. She was five years older than us. So so anyway, I stayed out there with her. Wow. And uh, just because it was, you know, she drank all night and I drank all night. And we just... And, uh, you're starting to develop some health issues at oh, this yeah. point. Yeah, my arthritis is so bad I can hardly. I'm. I was taking like 20 to 24 Tylenol a day just to be able to move, and then I would have to take two Allegras, two 24-hour Allegras a day because the sediment. Oh, the sediment. I'd break out in hives from so much Tylenol and alcohol mixed, and so. And you're having some blood pressure issues. Yes. Uh, my blood pressure was, I never had high blood pressure diagnosed at 200 over 125 when I went and saw a doctor finally. So you've got some real health issues going mm -hmm. on. Um, got some emotional issues, relational issues, obviously spiritual issues for sure. It finally comes to a day when you wake up and you're done. Yeah, my... Uh, the girl I was with, living with then, her son moved in with his girlfriend. It was a party all the time. And just, and, and all the time I'm knowing, I mean, believe it or not, God was still talking to me and telling me, you know, I needed, but I wasn't ready. And it blew up one night and I went to bed. It was on Thursday night, couldn't sleep. And I heard, you know what you need to do. Mm. And I was like, really? Couldn't sleep, so I got up. Got I, I drove a company truck for Austin ISD, and uh, I was still a little drunk, and I'd done that a bunch. Hope they aren't listening, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> too late now. <laughs> um, I drove around all night and uh, just struggled, fought with God, and then finally I was like, "And what is he telling you? Say that line again." All night long, you hear this. You, you know what you need to do. He didn't tell me, but I knew, he knew in my mind I knew what I needed to do. Mm. And he made me, there was no like, I promise this, and I probably was just like, you know what you needed to do. And uh, at one point, it was like three in the morning, I, I was like, well, I got my wallet, and oh, my blood pressure medicine. So I had to go back to that house, sneak in, get my stuff. I'm in my work truck, so I, uh, I just finally listened to God. And I, I drove into work, and when they came in at 7, I told them, and I've never quit a job in my life without having somebody replace me. And I said, hey, guys, I can't do this anymore. And they thought, they knew I had arthritis, and uh, they thought I was talking about that, but I was talking about, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. yeah. I just let them think what they wanted to. Yeah. And, uh, so that was the day you came to the end of yourself. Yeah, and I actually, about 6.30, started calling Dee Dee because she used to get up early. It's 6.30 a.m. Yeah. You're trying to call her. No answer. And I thought, uh, well, Truett, his job, he has to get up early and get out. So I called and didn't That's get an answer. That's our Truett, not his Truett. Yeah. Oh, yeah. His, his our son. Truett. 
Um, and I started thinking about, well, I'm going to do this, but I got, you know, truck at one wife's house and car at another girl's house and half my clothes and everything. And uh, So you don't have a I'm, way to get home. Yeah, I'm just going to turn my stuff in in Austin, keep calling somebody until I can get, get a ride or do whatever. So she's, she's not answering. No. But Truett answers. I finally, Truett finally answered, and I said, he sounded sleepy, so... And I said, hey, is, is mom in town? Because I know she went on trips with her parents and friends. And, and he said, no. And I thought, man. And he goes, wait, wait, wait. Do you mean is she at home? Because I'm in Georgetown working. And I said, really? He goes, yeah, Truett's, she's home. Truett's in Georgetown. He's in Austin. Truett doesn't always go to Georgetown. He got no. changed that week. But yeah. on that week, at that time... He was in Georgetown. Go ahead. Sorry to be interrupted. Oh, that's fine. Uh, and I said, "Well, what are you what are you doing?" He said, "Well, I'm I'm getting I'm checking out the motel. I'm getting ready to go home." And I said, "Well, you want to come pick me up, give me a ride?" He was like, "I'll be there in ten minutes." And I'm thinking, Georgetown is thirty minutes away. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So he 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 picked me up and. With just what I could carry, you know, out of my work truck. And that's basically all I had. Finally got a hold of Dee Dee and said, hey, if, if, I'm, I'm ready if you'll have me. And, I, and she was like, come on. Come on. Come on home. So did you catch all this? He's got nothing on him or with him. He doesn't even have a vehicle. No, we have to go to Walmart to get him clothes. <laughs> He's got nothing. He's got no dogs with him, and Dee Dee did not have to bring him home. That is the faithfulness of God, only to hear her request and to answer because she believed the promise. I'm, I'm convinced that that's how God moves. He's looking for those who will believe him with that kind of faith, and he responds, and he, he answers their prayer. So, Dee Dee, what's your response to him calling? I mean, it's been nine years at this point. And a lot has happened. Well, since God and I keep him in my heart every single day, and I prayed morning and I prayed at night, and God would give me different scriptures for a length of time to pray for him by putting his name in God's words. So that and with the children, they all knew I was standing. I've got a dresser for him, a closet for him, his side of the bathroom. So in my mind, it's almost like yesterday. It's not been like nine years because he's still all in our hearts all the time, every day. Wow. So, so much so that you're, you, you've got space for him when he comes back. You've already prepared for it. He's got a yeah, closet, it's all got just a dresser, ready. bathroom, all of that. He didn't have anything to put in it, but. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, Wes, you finally drive up in the driveway. You walk up into the house. What is that moment like? Uh, it was scary. Because I knew, that actually, when we pulled up in the driveway, Dee Dee was outside, and she said, "Welcome home." Wow. Then we went inside and kind of got settled in. Truett went back home because he'd been away for a week, and uh, I mean, are there tears? Is it? Yeah, and it was awkward. You know, I was still ashamed. Yeah. Uh, didn't know how she could accept me back in, or what it was going to be like. All in, in the back of my mind, I'm always I'm thinking. I'm, 
okay, I've got to quit drinking. Yeah. Because God told me, you know what you need to do. Because just remember, now we're talking about nine years plus of drinking and heavy drinking. In the last year, like a, a bottle of whiskey a day is what I was drinking. I would start in the morning, make it to work by seven. So not only is there this dynamic of, of your restored relationship, but now there's this physical thing of this addiction. And how, how are you going to get off of that? That's a lot. How long does it take for you? Seven days. No hospitals, no drugs. Um, wow. Because we, we talked about it, and Dee Dee was scared too, because she yeah. talked to my sister. I want to come and, home to a dead body. I just got the man back for nine years, okay? Yeah. Just like, slow your roll, dude. I would, I would, I probably could have just that day been done if I had trusted God fully and not been so afraid. Mm. But I would get to a point, you know, it was Friday morning, got there late Friday morning, and Friday evening, we were talking about it, and I was like, you know, maybe I need to get, mm. just at least get a beer or something in me. I don't want, I don't want nothing to happen. And she was like, okay, so went and did that. And yeah. next morning was, it was kind of rough getting up with not having all the alcohol. Sure. And, uh, but yeah, in, in seven days, I was like, I'm ready. Wow. And woke up that next morning, have not even had a craving or a taste for alcohol since. That's miraculous. All of this is miraculous. That doesn't just happen. God gave you a job. Yeah. Uh, first weekend I was here? Or second weekend? We, I think it was Sunday. It was the first weekend. First weekend. Like, we were at Walmart buying clothes. He Dean knows. Nothing. We were at Walmart. I told Dee when uh, when I came home, I was like, Let, let's don't, don't tell everybody. Let's. Too late. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But. Uh, it's going to have to be faster. <laughs> yeah. So we're in Walmart shopping and the phone rings and it's, it's Dean Oberg. I've known him for years and. Uh, I was like, oh, man, I'm not ready to talk about something. And so I, you know, got her phone, and he goes, hey, are you ready to go to work? And because uh, I, I had been thinking about it and looked at other school districts and stuff, you know. Uh, I've been master plumber for two school districts, and mm-hmm. that's what I wanted to keep doing. And, uh, Which that was another prayer. I asked yeah. God not to let anything happen to him that would ruin his reputation, that would stay with him forever, you know, to just protect him from that while he was in this on this journey. Yeah. Well, anyway, and, but Dean said, hey, you ready to go to work? And I was like, uh, yeah, I mean, I can. So yeah. anyway, it just happened fast, interview, they hired me, everything wow. great. So This is just evidence how God can restore the years that the locusts have eaten. There's so much more to this story. You're, you're just getting bits and pieces off it, but I think you have caught the spirit of what's happening here. She believed a promise. God worked in her. God worked in him. And now he is restoring more than they ever thought possible, except for Dee Dee. She thought possible. So, Dee Dee, what do you say to the person in the room who is still in the waiting spot, still waiting for their mountain? I would tell you, just, not just, seek God. Seek God Seek God, 
seek God. Focus on Him. Don't focus on the situation, the problem, anything, even the dream. Give the dream back to Him. Give the dream back to Him. Give it back, give it back, give it back. Because if you keep a hold of it, you're going to want to do something with it. And it's not yours to do with. He will do it all. I mean, it's all. That's what it says in Ephesians. Hey, man, if He says it, He's not kidding. (laughs) So You told me when we talked, um, here's how convinced I was of this. What is that? Tell me that line. Or tell them that line. God brought me to the point you have to make a decision. You either decide to listen to God and go with it till you die, or you go the other way. Well, I wanted all the blessings, so I had to make a decision. There's no time limit on this. There's no, you know, oh, until or when or whatever. No, I'm in it till you die or I die because God said it. It's not something that I just created and I decided on doing. No, that's not the point. You don't, that doesn't work that way. It's on the things that God tells you. Willing to believe it all the way to your death. All the way. Even if he hadn't come home. Yep. Because I don't know, God said he was going to bring him home. So I don't know when that is. Is it going to be one day before he dies? I don't know. Yeah. And that's not the point. (laughs) Soon. All right. Again, there's so much more to the story. Uh, I'm sure they would love to sit down and talk with you if you wanted to hear more parts of it. But I want to finish today by asking Phil to come up and pray. Because um, there's a whole other dimension here that we hadn't really addressed. And that's what it is for a father to watch his daughter go through this for nine years. And it would have been easy to be angry and bitter and protective of your daughter. But you're able to welcome him back into family, into your arms. Absolutely. Yeah. Would you mind praying for them? We were, we were riding four-wheelers, Blake and the, and the crew, in Marble Falls. Friday, Saturday... And no one told me that Wes was home. They were afraid to tell me. Because in nine years, I've been protecting everything that I knew and how to do it. And everything you heard from Didi was not only crystal clear, but absolutely correct. And that Sunday morning, before church, Miss Carol... She said, Wes is home. (laughs) I didn't make it to church. (laughs) I I said, oh, what's happening? What's happening? This is, did he he stop? Is is everything okay? So then Carol comes home from church. This is a two-hour period. Two hours. Nine years, two hours. I'm completely fine. The spirit just whoops in and cleanses everything. Forgiveness is there. And the next month and, and the next night we're having supper breaking bread together. <laughs> Talking. Just ask. One thing I haven't told Wes is that his entire time there, I told the stories of 
what he had done all his life with us to his children constantly. Wes does this, Wes does it, Wes is one of the best fabricators I ever saw. He was this, he was that. And he's one of Dean's best friends in that time period. So Dean calls me and I don't know what he's saying because he's bawling like a baby. He said, I got a job for Wes, I got a job for Wes. It was really something. So my word for you is restoration. Amen. My word for you is restoration. It seems like a simple word. It's not. So I don't want you to stand because I'm going to pray. But if you need restoration in your life, you picture yourself standing and reaching to the Father because that's what we're about to do. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we praise you for restoration. Mm. We thank you for that word. You told us in your word that Whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth is loosed in heaven. And Father, we loose restoration to these folks today. Amen. In Jesus' name, Amen. thank you for what you've done in our family. My parents, Carol's mother, loves Wes, never stopped. Our family loves Wes. His friends love Wes. He is extremely lovable. And we thank you and praise you for that restoration. Mm -hmm. And I thank you for a daughter that will not give up. Mm -hmm. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. Y'all give them one more hand. Thank them. Thank y'all very much.